today I'm talking with my dear friend, Lindsay, again. Lindsay, who is associated with the cult, and not Lindsay, who I live with. Just a reminder, about eight years ago, Lindsay got involved in the famous cult, Nixium, which is led by Keith Rainier. And in June of this year, so 2019, Keith was convicted of federal crimes, which included sex trafficking, conspiracy, and conspiracy to commit forced labor. And this was in the U.S. His sentencing is at the end of this month, so October 2019. And I've been talking with Lindsay about her involvement in the cult since she started back in 2011. And then this past summer, two years after she left the cult, we decided to make some podcast episodes so she could share her experiences and tell people about what it was like being in the cult, getting in, and life after. Today, I share parts of a conversation that we recorded with... um, where Lindsay and I recorded it, about what compelled her into this world. And I love how she starts. And she starts with, you know, people ask her about the cult and how she got in. And she says, you know, it's not like they walk up to you and say, hey, want to join this cult and we're going to have a sex group. She talks about the recruiting process being very deliberate and calculated. And we'll go deeper into that in this episode. So thanks for listening. Can I just ask you a little bit more about like sharing your story? Like, um, what are, like, what's the, is there something that you like really want to get across? I mean, I guess it's like awareness of these things and stuff, but like, what do you think it is like what what element of your story do you feel compelled to share Hmm. more so how I got in and then that process of like moving to New York to work with Keith yeah like it's not like they're saying you know if somebody if somebody said to me hey want to join our cult and we're gonna have this you know this sex group where you know, a bunch of women are going to share this one man. I would have been like, obviously no. no. (laughs) So when people get judgmental and they're like, how could you fall for something like that? I'm like, it's not like they were inviting me to join a sex cult. Yeah. That's not what this was about. Yeah. I didn't even know Keith existed in my first meeting with Sarah. So like, so I guess that process of like getting in and, they work on you for years for you to get to a point where you've earned in quotations your time with Keith. And then he has a whole process where he grooms you into, you know, getting to that stage. So I was working in a yoga studio in Vancouver and this was like the second year. And I started to, I don't want to say outgrow yoga, but, I felt like I had done so much at that point that a 200-hour training wasn't really going to do it for me. I needed something deeper. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And a guy that I used to practice, a friend uh, that used to come to the studio and we used to connect, and he said, I want you to – I don't even remember what he told me what it was. I was just in this, like, yes phase. I was like, yep, let's go. Like, I'm open. So – 
he picked me up from work and he took me to this like basement. It was a professional building downtown Vancouver. And I was like dressed in a blazer. Like I was dressed up and I walk into this office. The office was underground and there was probably like a hundred people. Everybody was in suits. It was very professional. And I was like, wow, like what is it? Like it was, you know, everybody seemed successful. It was like a total different scene that I had, you know, I was living like the yoga life in Kitsilano. Right. And as soon as I met Sarah, I was told that she was the one that was going to do this presentation on this program. And when I met Sarah, immediately we just clicked. Like as soon as we saw each other, it was just that like our souls aligned. It's just the conversation was easy. And I was like, oh my God, I like, she represented so many things that I wanted for myself. She was, you know, successful woman in her thirties, successful career, beautiful, like outgoing, just seemed like she had everything going for her. And so I was excited to hear her talk. And she basically, she did this presentation that was about like 30 to 40 minutes long. And now knowing what I know in that presentation, there's a whole, the whole strategy of the presentation is to like, basically you have to say yes. They, they preempt, do you ever, you know that, you know what they call that in, in presentations where they do those double binds? Uh, I, I've never heard that term. No? Okay. I'd have to like Google it and then understand it myself better first to explain it. How can I explain it? It's like they preempt everything. They, they, they show you all the reasons why you, you would say no. Right. So that if you did come up with an excuse that you weren't interested in the program, they'd be like, well, but you're just, that's just one of your excuses. Right. So they elicit what you want for yourself in your life. So you tell them what you want, what your goals and your dreams are. And then they use that against you. So basically if you're like, well, this program really isn't for me, then they'll come back and they'll, they'll, they have every response to deal with whatever objection you have and they put it back on you. Yeah. Which is kind of the characteristics of it all the way through, right? Yes. Yeah. And they start it right in that presentation. Yeah. Which is so, if you can buy into that, then you've bought into the whole program. Like it's the first step, but then mm-hmm. it's like you've already got the mindset that they're looking for. Yes. So it's like, well, yeah, this is what I want. I want to be, you know, successful, whatever your goals are. Yeah. They're like, well, we have that. Well, you want to understand myself better. Like they tell you yes to everything you want to hear. Right. And, but what really sold me on the presentation was examining the belief system. Yeah. And this was a new science. It was a cutting edge technology. And, you know, you see that so much now in social media. It's everywhere. We have the, the tool that's going to fix you. And I mean, back then, you know, I don't even think there was Instagram then. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like cutting edge, you know, this is the first that I'd heard of it. So, um, anyway, it took me a couple months, but then I took, I joined the program and the, and the very first step was taking a five day intensive. Seems innocent, right? Five days. You're just taking some education. I 
I loved it and I felt great after. Um, I did have a point though in the middle and I look back now and this was a red flag. In one of the, in one of the classes I got sick. Like I thought, I thought I was going to throw up and I, I kind of went panicky and I, I started to lose my breath and I went up to the head trainer. So they flew in somebody from New York to come do the intensive. And she was like, she totally diminished what I was feeling. She did not give in to any, anything I was feeling at all. All she said was, well, is there anything bad happening? And outside in the real world, no, no, there's nothing bad happening. Okay. We'll just let the feeling pass. It's no big deal. Right. And I was like, okay. And that was the very first sign of suppression. You know what I mean? They just suppress any emotion that you feel, any objection you have. Right. Um, so basically the whole curriculum is designed to, they bring up topics and stuff like good and bad, right and wrong. And they ask you what your definitions are of a lot of those different things. So that's how they examine your belief system is you got to share what your definition and meanings are of these things. And then once you explore what yours are, they go through this whole process of asking you different questions and going deeper. And then Keith will come out with his definitions and, but they're not necessarily ethical. Right. They're just ways to justify shit that he's doing that's wrong yeah so for example like we could talk about this all day like a monogamous relationship right right like a monogamous relationship for me aligns with my values right but he'll put this whole he'll have this whole hour-long talk on monogamy yeah and he'll he'll give all these different explanations and justifications and ways why non-monogamous relationships are okay and they are valid arguments I know that's what I was just gonna say I mean I just did a podcast with Vanessa on her polyamorous relationships and we talked about the problems with monogamy and there is lots of science that you know the the studies show that there's a lot of monogamous monogamous relationships that are not monogamous and there's a lot of cheating and all that stuff and so Mm -hmm. and you know Keith being very intelligent can pull these out and weave mm-hmm. them into really great arguments that sound very convincing and yes. actually are convincing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But destructive and yeah. harming because they're for his benefit. And exactly. Yeah. That's a whole other thing I could get into. I know. <laughs> with what I saw in the company, like marriages being broken up and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So anyway, that's how like you start to examine. So anyway, fast forwarding, did the five day and I just, because of that connection I had with Sarah, I want, I was like, well, I don't want it to end here. Like I want to continue. And, and her and her business partner, Mark Vicente, they invested in me to continue because the whole level one of the program was actually 16 days. Okay. But they offered people, you know, that's more accessible to kind of dip in for the first five days. 
Right. So within a month later, I was doing the full 16 day and then she needed a new assistant. She basically, yeah, her current assistant was kind of on her way out and she hired me and I started working for them. And I did that for the first year and a half, but within the first six months, I had already went to, I was already on a trip to New York to go, uh, once a year, the whole company would go to New York and celebrate Keith's birthday. And it's like a week long event. (laughs) Yeah. But then you're living, you're a jet setter. You're stuck in one spot, which is like something you've always enjoyed, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I was basically working for the company and taking their education. So I actually had a unique way that I went in because not everybody, like I was the only employee in Vancouver. Sarah just needs one person. Yeah. Because all the work that's done in the trainings are done by coaches. So this is how they get away with not paying people. Right. They get people to do all this free work to put on the trainings if you sign up to be a coach. So if you're, it's like being in university, if you're working to become a coach, there's certain, there's, you know, there's all these stages that you need to go through to get there. But during that time, you have to volunteer, you have to volunteer your time and do work for the company. Well, and it's not really that much different than yoga teacher training. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So once I was done all the level one and I went to New York and and met everybody, the company as a whole, I went back two months later to do a level two training. It was my first level two. And I, that was the start where I started to notice changes in a, in a negative way. It was like within the first year, it was, it was supposed to be, um, a level two. It was all about self-love. Right. And I was so excited. And on my way back from New York, I was a total disaster. I was an emotional wreck. I didn't know why. And whenever I would bring that to the table, they would say, that's just a part of the processing and the healing and blah, blah. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just, I'm still processing then. Yeah. Um, but really it was just like, you know, emotionally breaking you down. Yeah. Like before I joined ESP, I I felt like I had like my eating issues kind of under control by that point. I felt good in my body. I never drank alcohol. And all of a sudden, as I started to do more and more education, I started to have less control over my body. Like even in the end, I started to like really binge eat. And I like my whole, I think just my whole nervous system was so out of whack that I just, I couldn't even control my impulses. Yeah. So anyway, a year goes by and I went, I was at another celebration for Keith. It was a year later and I'd done a couple level twos at that point. And I, Claire Bronfman asked me to go for a walk. And Keith was always kind of like in behind the scenes. Like when he made Nancy the, like the CEO of the company, he gave her the company and she teach. He was just kind of in the background and he had a small pot of women, maybe 10. And he started to want to come out. They said he was going to come out with this new education. Right. And he was, they were inviting people specially to come to New York and work with him one-on-one. Yeah. I remember when you and, got really excited about that one. Yeah. 
So she took me on a walk and I thought, wow, this is amazing work with Keith one-on-one. The program was all about, cause like his, the curriculum to that point was all like the mental and emotional. It was emotional education. That's what they called it. But this was combining the body with it. Right. And for me, that was just the full package. I was like, all worlds align. Yoga wasn't enough. And then this was all like the deeper emotional stuff. And now it was like, it was combining everything together. And I was like, sign me up. I'm there. Nice. Literally a month later, I was on a plane to New York. And um, so for it, it actually ended up 80 people from like Mexico, Europe, and Canada, US, around the US moved to work with Keith one-on-one. And it started as a big class setting. And then he's divided everybody into groups. And this group, they handpicked this. The first group he was going to work with was the yoga group. And it was the six women. And he started giving us like 10 hours a week. And that's how it started. We just, we'd go for meetings with him three days a week. And he would just talk and we would take notes and like we were learning from him. And he would give us, he would give us these assignments to do outside of the meetings. And then we'd come back and we'd report to him. And, and then it started to build into this company that we were, we were going to start this new yoga program. And it was basically delivering yoga in a way that made sense for our Western culture, you know, yeah. take the traditional aspects, but make it more practical and accessible for, you know, North America. Perfect. Another thing I totally believed in yeah but then the whole company and the business model was designed to really fail because he was just grooming us to so about like a year into that into that working with him I started to see that I knew and no one had to tell me that he was having sex with half of our group so three of the women already wow yeah and yeah, it was just a, it was a series of nine months that were red flags. And then eventually I just packed up and left. So it was like, it was a slow thing. It was like, you know, I met Sarah in 2011. I left in 2015. Yeah. So, so it starts slow. And then if you are really buying in, then they'll invest in you and take you in. And that's how that worked. And that another thing with how the abuse worked was like, it's not like you just jump right into working 18 hours a day and not sleeping and on a low calorie diet. Yeah. It's, he was so strategic. You know what I mean? Like it started 10 hours a week of just meeting with him. Yeah. Little assignments. I had my assistant work I was doing on the side. I was taking a little bit of education, not much. And then all of a sudden we start to build this yoga company and it's like, okay, you're working. Now they're watching me. Yeah. You know, now my time isn't mine and yeah. I'm getting calls at 2 a.m. for meetings and I'm up every morning at five to go teach at six. And, you know, then we have our team meetings at 11 o'clock at night for an hour every night. And I got to a point where there'd be like, and I, I've probably told you this, but just so I could have a little bit of freedom, I would get on a train, go to New York city, book a hotel room and just wander the streets 
of Manhattan for a day just so I could breathe. Yeah. And then I'd stay in the hotel and then go back the next day. And I'd try to do it so that they wouldn't notice. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, again, this is like part of, that's your intuition that mm-hmm. was ended up being your survival. And those yeah. breaks probably, it's what kept you going and kept you kept your strength alive enough to eventually get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess, I guess Keith's whole strategy in getting you to the point where you were sleeping with him and you're basically his slave was that, you know, they break you down emotionally, mentally. They start you off slow, eventually to the point where you're so distracted and anything, and I said this in the beginning, but anything you ever question, they turn it back on you. So the whole philosophy of the whole program, the real core of it was that any emotion that you feel has nothing to do with external circumstances. Yeah. It has to do because of your own issues. Right. So whenever you have a problem with someone or something, because we're all doing this deep inner work, they, everybody knows what everybody's issues are. Right. So they'll come back and say to you, well, this is just because of, you know, your issue. So this is what you need to go to do to work on that. Right. Yeah. And so that also prevented anyone from talking about anything too. Yeah. Because whenever you had, you thought something or you felt something, you thought, okay, well, this is just because of my issues. So I'll just take that to my coach or I'll take it to go do what they called as an emotional meeting technique. So if you had a certain trigger, this was the technology. If say, you know, you got in a fight with your husband or your boyfriend and you're like angry they would go in on the exact moment that you got angry and figure out what triggered it. Yeah. And they would relate that trigger to something that happened in your childhood. Right. And how that episode in your childhood is what's causing these triggers to happen now. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. totally. But it totally, and you know, a lot of, some of that is true and yeah. valid. Yeah. But, but then it discounts legit boundaries and, and unethical stuff or whatever you want to call it, any real shit that's happening now that shouldn't. Exactly. So the, the like hundred percent of the blame is on you yes. as an individual. And really it's being put on you as a child because it's tracing it back to childhood. So yes, child, children are typically not empowered. And so they are under someone else. And so if we continue to go back into our childhood, we will continue to uh, experience a place when we don't have the power to fight against something that is happening mm-hmm. against us. So it's exactly. like, like, a, like a meta level of oppression. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I carried that pattern into my relationship after I left. So anything, that's why the relationship lasted as long as it did. Mm-hmm. And he had the qualities of like, I mean, we all kind of have levels of narcissism. I'd need to educate myself even more on it. But, like, there was qualities there where, you know, he had the power and I just kind of obeyed. Emotionally abusive. And I just, anything that came up in the relationship, I thought, it's just because of me. I need to change. I need to change what I'm doing or how I feel. So I never brought anything forward. It was just self, really, the whole program is self-blame. That's the programming. 
Totally. Yeah. Which is like, I struggle with this so much because so much of what he says is comes from a nugget of truth and comes from like he's so obviously I mean I don't know him but obviously he's so well read he's so educated and knowledgeable that that these things are taken again because he's manipulating the situation so he's manipulating everything and he's not coming from a place of authenticity and compassion Mm -hmm. and goodness of heart that he can take all these and twist them into these really negative attributes um but they actually so much of it comes from like deep ancient wisdom that really is like freeing and liberating for in for humans yeah it's taken in such a wrong direction yes because he's he's not enlightened he's really smart but he's not enlightened you know yes Yeah, it's even hard for me to register how dark he. It's my dog. He's scratching himself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry, how dark? It's hard. No, no, it's hard for me to register in my brain. Even like, I feel so disconnected, and we've talked about this. But it's just, it's hard for me to register in my brain how dark and how bad his intent actually was. Yeah. is because it never felt that way. Right. But that's classic abuse. It's like, you know, the girl being raped by her father. She, she'll do anything to defend her father because she believes that he loves her. I know. It's the same thing. So it's, it's just, he was such a, he was so gentle in the way that he spoke. And he seemed and appeared so, you know, authentic and compassionate, really. Yeah. But now when I look back on certain things, like he actually did not have a conscience at all. Zero. Like one of, there's this whole thing and back to enlightenment and enlightenment, enlightenment is not feeling anything. It's like, you're totally calm, you know, you're enlightened. So nothing affects you in the real world, which is such bullshit. That's not even enlightenment. I I mean, to me, enlightenment now would be like feeling everything, like, but just being content underneath it all. Yeah. You know, enlightenment is your ability, I think, to feel everything on a deeper level. Absolutely. And to just like, to still remain like present to it all. (laughs) Yeah. Like we, we do, we have a body that we're connected to, like we can't stop the physiology no, that we can't stop the sensations. It's a matter of like feeling them and existing and, and literally deeply feeling them, like just being there to feel what is going on in this moment. Yeah. But if you go off the rails and you get super angry and you do, you know, as long as you're not harming somebody else, what's wrong with that? Like, yeah. you know, if you ball your eyes out because you're so sad and, you know, you're really feeling the sadness and the pain. Does that mean you're not enlightened? Like, yeah, no, it's like, yeah. So when we were in a meeting with Keith, he was doing a lot of work with the, like there was a huge organization in Mexico that followed him. And these people were like 
the elite of Mexico. It's like the former president of Mexico's son and all these people he recruited. And I have the whole Mexican story, I'll tell you. <laughs> but like the drug cartels, the kidnapping down there is like, I mean, everybody, all these Mexicans are very rich and everybody, like I had a boyfriend from Mexico and every single one of them had, had a kidnapping story. And a lot of them were happening when I was there. And Keith would work with the families with his philosophical, you know, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, he, we were in a meeting with him and he got a text, like one of somebody in the organization had a family that got kidnapped, but then they ended up getting killed. Oh God. And when he got the text, he told us he got the text of what happened and everybody just kind of went silent and he didn't react emotionally. He just looked at the phone. And then he paused, he took a moment, and then he came right back to the meeting. And one of the girls in the group, after we left, she's like, that was so, and she's one of the girls who was sleeping with him. She's like, that was so amazing. Did you see how he, how he handled that? How he just like, he kept, kept himself so composed and he didn't even react. And he was able to just, you know, direct his energy right back to the meeting. And I thought for a second, I was like, yeah, I guess, like, but then I'm like, a normal human being would be, like, distraught over that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, feel something. Feel something. And she was admiring. My point is that she was admiring how, like, composed he was. And now I'm like, no, he had no conscience. Yeah. Like, at all. Yeah. And all of the, like, compassion that he exudes and uh, non-judgment, like, he, it sounds like he's smart enough that he can just mimic what those should be. Like he's smart enough that he understands those at an intellectual level that he can convey them. Mm-hmm. I so guess. I believe that I believe that I was hypnotized. Really? So his meetings, we were being hypnotized, <sighs> and also because of the trauma and the abuse, it's hard to remember things. Yeah. But really, I felt like I was in a trance. I shared this with my dad. I felt like I was on drugs all the time. Wow. So I, I didn't think about sex. Like normal things that normal human beings crave, like alcohol, sex, right. <laughs> like an exercise. Like we're always looking for that, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I am anyway. But like all those things, I, I, it's like they were labeled as bad. Like nobody talked about it or anything. But I got my fix, I think, because it just, it felt like I was in drugs all the time. Yeah. And I, it was like being in a trance. Yeah. And he actually was teaching us how to hypnotize, not directly, very indirectly. Right. So people would say that there's a way to communicate, like in a yoga class, for instance, and the, the, the yoga that I was teaching in the company, it was all scripted. Yeah. And the script was hypnotizing. Right. It was hip. Yeah. yeah. Just a, a side note. Is it possible that you were being drugged? No. Okay. I don't think. I mean, there it, was, there was, there was people close to Keith that, uh, like their stories now that he was slipping stuff into, yeah, into their water or, or directly drugging women who are having breakdowns trying to get out. 
but they were already in too deep that, you know, they put them on Valium or whatever. I just read those stories. Okay. I think, I believe Keith always knew that I was one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure he did. Yeah. He, he knew. He never, he, like out of the six women, they had me in the group, but I hadn't done, I hadn't taken the steps. Like I never did the low calorie diet. Okay. That didn't feel right to me. Once you did the low calorie diet and you got as skinny as he wanted you to be, that's when you were in. And that's what I wasn't willing to do. Uh-huh. Um, so like he always told me I had, I think I told you this, that I always had my baby fat. He said yeah. I still had my baby fat and he would pick on me for it. No, he never told me that. That's crazy. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah. He's like, well, you still have your baby fat. And he'd make jokes. Wow. Yeah. but I remember him telling me the 500 calories and I just there's something that felt so wrong about that and I was like no yeah I wonder if it's because you had done so much work already on like body and eating and all that stuff like Mm -hmm. it's like maybe it just really wasn't an issue for you so like so he didn't appeal to a, a need to be skinny the way that everyone else did. Like, you know, like you've, you've done that work. Yeah. And maybe the other people hadn't done that yet. Yeah. Like one of the women in the group, she was already two, two girls actually were already like anorexic. So yeah. it worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Like for me, I've always wanted to know who I was on a deep level. I want to know what my core values, my beliefs are. And their whole program was, you know, we're born with a set of beliefs that we get from our parents and we grow up with that. But then once we become adults and our own people, um, those belief systems that were formed don't always serve the life that we're trying to live now. And I like that being able to go have a, you know, have a program that goes in and evaluates that and, and makes the necessary changes to live the life that you want. But the way that, and that's what got me in. Yeah. But then the way that he did it, it was like he, their process of examining your belief system was breaking you down and basically stripping you. And the way that they rip you, they build you back up was giving you his new definitions and indoctrinating you into a belief system that was like his Right. And that went, that would buy into the company. It wasn't for you. It was for the company. I believed in my, I believe in my situation. I was completely broken down. And that's how I felt. I felt like naked, like completely broken. But there was something in me after four years at the end. I like, I knew, I knew what my values were. And I was like, I didn't, this, what I'm feeling inside does not fit in there. It does not fit here. So then after I actually got what I went for. Yeah. (laughs) Because what I saw and felt to myself, I was like, there is nothing that will change this ever. Yeah. And that was it. So yeah, it was beautiful. Like I feel like mentally and emotionally, like I'm way more resilient and stronger and like, I don't want to say wise, but like just smarter and more in reality with myself. 
but then they're still dealing with like the trauma and, and the dark side of it. But yeah, but I did get what I went there for. Almost like your, like your own inner confidence or that strength, that like that bull in you <laughs> that can persevere yeah. like that, that mm-hmm. is so much a core of you, like a part of you that, mm-hmm. that couldn't get broken completely, you know? I'm glad that I get to have this opportunity to talk with you about this, so. I know. Okay. I know it's the, like, I feel like when you and I are together, like, it's, it's like, it's an opportunity to work together, but also, like, a way to connect and spend time with each other, which is, like, a win-win on all levels. I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. Right.